Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. to Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Stitcher, Double Twist. Thank you always for downloading and listening to this show. It's a great pleasure to have you joining me once again today. Unfortunately, the Minnesota Wild season did come to an end, but in seven games versus what I thought for a minute there looked like it was going to be five. Amazing comeback, but... The Minnesota Wild lose their first ever Game 7 in franchise history. Nice run, but as I said on Twitter, well, crappy ending. I won't say the actual word because I was pissed off, obviously. You know, we're all competitors in our own way, I guess. You know, we all when you watch a game, you kind of get the competitive juices flowing. and The game looked promising. It actually really, really reminded me. Of Game 7 in Colorado, 2014. Not 2003, 2014, where it was just back, forth, back, forth. The Wild never led in the game until the final score. We kept tying it up, tying it up, tying it up, and then, well, this time it just didn't happen. You know, this <laughs> Vegas just kept scoring as things snowballed so dramatically after what looked like a pretty lazy, frustrating, crappy play by Jordan Greenway on one of uh, one of Denmark's goals. Denmark, who the heck is that? Uh... Very frustrating uh, hat trick for him. Yeah, yeah, we know. But, I mean, still, it wasn't Mark Stone. It wasn't Pacioretty. But, of course, Pacioretty. It was actually Pacioretty's goal where the Greenway play took place. Yes, Pacioretty came back, and Ryan Reeves came back, and he shoved Ryan Studer into the goal, which is real cute, real, you know, into the goal. And Studer had his cheek swollen very badly. And Ryan Reeves couldn't believe there was a penalty, and he kept going at it. And it's like, right, okay. Ryan Reeves didn't make any new friends during the course of this series, especially not after that. That was some BS. Uh, say what you want about Ryan Suter. Yes, he's the quick trip captain. Yes, me and a close friend. Well, well you probably saw him on Twitter, yes. Derek Felska called him the quick trip captain, and you'll actually hear about that, I believe, on Twitter. Maybe, no, that wasn't a private conversation, but <laughs> yeah, he's the quick trip captain because he... Well, who does the Quick Trip commercials? Ryan Suter. He's from Wisconsin. With Quick Trip's from Wisconsin. And 
we saw the sincere look on his face when he was enjoying his uh, meal. Actually, he was just stirring it and soiling at the camera. He probably never took a bite, but maybe he did. Who cares? At the end of the day, the Wild lose their first Game 7 in franchise history, which is sad. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful run. The first Game 7 loss since, uh, in Minnesota sports, the actual Game 7, you get the idea, since the Minnesota North Stars lost to Detroit. So we're going back to the North Star days. 91-92 season, the Minnesota North Stars took a three games to one lead and did not win the series. Extremely freaking frustrating, especially the Game 6 loss. People were very pissed off about that. It was one thing losing Game 5 in Detroit. It's like, okay, fine, we'll close them out in Game 6. No, we didn't. And then Game 7, it, it kind of went this way, where it was a little bit back and forth. Detroit looked like the better team, and then they just pulled away. And it was like, <sighs> yeah, it was really sad. It, it was. Um, the Game 5 win, it was gutty and everything, but the second period was horse crap. What was it, 21, 22 to 1 in shots in that period. The problem with the Minnesota Wild throughout this series, and ultimately why we didn't win, particularly in Game 7 and all the other games we lost, and even in the, some of the games we won, puck possession. I mean, you, you, we couldn't win face-offs. When you are on the power play and you can't even win a face-off and the puck's flying down the ice, it's just sliding gracefully down the ice uh, with the greatest of ease and stuff like that or whatever other little song. You could think of the Super Mario Brothers uh, water music. You know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, and the clock's ticking away. That's going to kill your power play. And you, you got to win face-offs once in a while. Benino's capable of it. And he's all right, and I'd like to bring Benino back, basically in a Matt Cullen role, which I think pretty much is what he's going to be at this point. It's not like he's super old; he's just kind of limited. You know, he's older. He's older. He can win faceoffs. He's gutty. He's a winner. Matt Cullen won a Stanley Cup with Carolina, and he was a huge piece. He was a second line center back in those days, behind a guy by the name of Eric Stahl, who also played for the Wild for an extended period. And Eric Stahl was a superstar in his early days with Carolina. Great player, Hall of Fame candidate for sure, as is uh, Zach Parisi, I suppose. Yeah, no, of course he is. Um, but that's going to be Nick Benino's role if we bring him back again. So I'm kind of for foreshadowing here, obviously. It's more of just kind of talking about these games in general. Like, you know, I mean, it was a great win. Winning Game 5 was great, the way the team gutted it out. It was a good, solid third period in the fact that the Wild... Only well, gave up one goal and twenty-one shots, twenty-one or twenty-two to one. They were outshot by twenty-one shots in the second period, and other podcasts would call it the uh, worst period in that they've ever seen. It was just franchise history, but really they've ever seen. I don't disagree with that. It was horrible. It was horrible, and I, I like what the hell is this garbage? But we survived, Minnesota. We Minnesota. Apologize if I'm talking a little bit too we-ish, but uh, we survived. We did. Uh, Vegas scored early, which had you thinking that was again Mark Stone, same old crap. Uh, Mar- <laughs> Alex Tuck scored, or excuse me, got his first assist of the series, believe it or not. And Nick Holden, who's been a factor off and on throughout the series and all that. And that was about midway through the uh, first, just about. And it's like, boy, we really are dead. Five games. And then you get three goals in a row, and Zach Parisi scoring his first goal of the postseason. And. Had everybody known saying that, hey, you know, he was ready to go from game one. You know, I, I don't care about, or, yeah, forget about all the sideshow stuff. You know, I was ready to go from game one. And others will argue, like the Judd Zolgads and such, saying that, well, of course he's ready to go because he'd been resting. You know, if he'd been playing the entire time, we wouldn't have seen the same Zach Parisi. I agree with that take. I agree with that take, even though there's an argument of uh, the analytical side where Zach Parisi was at least the ninth best forward uh, and that, uh, 
Marcus Johansson was like 13th-ish most of the year, 12th and 13th-ish. I, I understand that argument. I understand that argument, but just saying <laughs> Parisi's excellent play during the course of the series is, you know, we probably wouldn't have seen as good as Zach Parisi had he been playing the entire time. I know that's kind of, you know, that might sound rude or tacky or whatever the heck it is. It's kind of one of those harsh realities, though. It, it is. He's 36. He's 36, and you know, all of us, myself, at age 41, going on 42, I feel like I could still play basketball at a high level. But <laughs> most people would probably say, yeah, right, Joey. Yeah, right, because I played basketball a lot, you know, in the past. Obviously a bigger hockey fan than basketball, but I was, <laughs> let's just say I was more, I was a little bit better at basketball. Let's just say that. But other people would say, uh, Joey, you're nowhere near what you were when you were 30 or 28 or whatever the heck. Stuff like that, you know, because we always feel we're better than we are because we can still feel this excitement in this in this Zinn and Sigur and all that, and you still have the smarts, like Zach Parisi does have. He still has the craftiness, and he still can score. He still can be a factor. But at the end of the day, he's not the same guy. There, there's, there, there's no question about it. He's not. Um, and it's a sad truth. Um, he did a good job. He did an awesome job. Again, part of it, yeah, the extra motivation, like, all right, screw you guys. You think I shouldn't be out here? Are you crazy? I'm Zach Parisi, man. Are you kidding me? I'm the all-time goal scorer, a leading goal scorer in franchise history in the postseason. Screw you guys. You honestly believe that I should be scratched for Marcus Bleepin' Johansson or Matt Bleepin' Boldy or whatever the heck, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, I feel you, Zach, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure his performance would have been as excellent had he been playing the entire time. Remember the last nine games that he played during the regular season? Zero, nada, zip. I'm sorry, that's just a fact. You can get analytical all you want, but that's a fact. It just is. Was he better than Marcus Johansson still at this point? Probably, but... Uh, you know, and of course, he looked better when he came back from the COVID and all that stuff, too. But he probably, again, he was rested. He let his body rest. The aches and pains of your body. I mean, Zach always missed time. Freak injury, like a cracked ankle or something, or cracked foot, whatever, off the puck off the foot, or getting God knows what. You know, obviously, the back injury really slowed him down for a long time. Then once he had legitimate surgery on it, he was ready to rock and roll again. Thank God for that. He had an awesome uh, renaissance season. But generally speaking, Zach Parisi's not the he's not the star of the team anymore. He's just not. And I don't know. He's a little bit tone deaf. That's what Declan Goff said. He's a little tone deaf, and I, I can understand that uh, argument. I kind of lean that way, actually. We can all be analytical as much as we want, but at the same time, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes there's more to it than just that uh, at the end of the day. Kirill Kaprizov finally scored, and that was an awesome goal. Matt Zuccarillo also again with the assist. So you got to see Matt Zuccarillo and uh, Kirill Kaprizov because there was finally a little bit of bleep in space. Uh, obviously, awesome pass. It was the same type of stuff we saw between Zuccarillo and Kaprizov. The nice, just gorgeous little saucer pass and the beautiful relates on the shot and the goal because he finally got some effing space. Finally, got some epic face, and there you go. And even Greenway was able to score off of rebounding off his own shot. Kalen Addison with the lead pass to Greenway. So, Kalen Addison obviously playing because Susie is injured. Shoulder situation going on there, and of course, we'll see what happens. He's been kind of, you know, unfortunately, he did not play again the rest of the season, and we'll see if he's playing his last game for Minnesota uh, after, after that point. Uh, that would have been game four for him, and maybe game seven might have been the last game for Zach Parisi. 
but a beautiful win on the road, despite the fact it was not a pretty win, but it was a win. It was a win. We actually, the point is, we scored freaking goals. That's what matters. We scored, and they didn't on their shots. They had plenty of shots, and Talbot was fantastic, and of course, there were a lot of blocked shots throughout this entire series. Uh, both of these teams led the league in blocked shots during the regular season, so there was a lot of blocked shots in the season, in the, in the postseason. Not a big surprise there. It just kind of figures the team that we've dominated historically in the regular season. We end up losing the uh, seven-game series to them. That's just how it goes, I guess. Cam Talbot with a shutout in Game Six. It was scary as hell going into the third period. Like they're gonna they're gonna score whatever, but maybe we will go to Game Seven. The fact that we're keeping these guys in check this long, there's a chance we're gonna finally break through. And the Wild did with three goals in the third period. Nick Bukestad of all people was able to get the third goal. Pretty cool, though. I have nothing against Nick Bukestad. It was just cool to see, I guess. And it was a good play. Uh, obviously, and Sturm and Spurgeon adding points there. Spurgeon, couple assists. His first two assists during this postseason. He had no points until this point. Until this stage. Kevin Fiala capitalizing on the power play. Just a gorgeous overall play. Nice release on the shot. Able to finish. Ryan Hartman scored early as well with Fiala. Again, setting him up very, very nicely. And Parisi even adding an assist there as well in that sixth game. And I remember in the past, Parisi would have like three-point games in game six, leading the Wild to uh, game seven versus the Colorado Avalanche way back in 2014. He had a couple goals and an assist, if I remember correctly. And he also scored, I believe, the dagger goal versus the St. Louis Blues, yes, uh, back, back in uh, 2015 when we advanced past them in six games for the first and so far only time in franchise history we won a series without having to go to game seven. Pretty cool. Uh, our, our game six history is pretty damn good, to be quite honest. We won game six versus the... It's not perfect, obviously, and I'll, I'll kind of rattle this off uh, the top of my head anyway. We lost to Colorado in six in when the year we won the division, so that one's no good. We never got... Uh, but yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, Colorado, we won game six. Vancouver, we won game six in 13. Uh, 03, pardon me. There was no game six versus Anaheim, so we were 2-0 and at that point. Many years later, Colorado, or Chicago, pardon me, in the first round, only a five-game series. But, of course, before that, pardon me, we lost game six versus Colorado. We never got to game six versus Anaheim, and then against Chicago as well. So two and one at that point, going all the way up to 2014. We won game six versus Colorado again to force the seventh game as we were down three games to two. That was kind of a back-and-forth type of series. It was 2-0, then it was 2-2. Colorado won game five. We won game six, so we were three and one at that stage, we being the wild, of course. And then we lost game six to Chicago with the Stanchion Gate garbage, three and two there. And then the next year we beat St. Louis in six games, four and two. And we never got to game six versus Chicago. We got swept. That was just freaking devastating. Oh, that was devastating. Whew, that was bad. Uh, we lost to Dallas in six games. So four and three, and then we won here. So five and three overall. That's a good record. Uh, okay, sorry for taking so long there, but that's a that's a good record, decent record. Never got to Game Six versus Winnipeg. That was an awful series, and that was also brought up multiple times this weekend when the, with the Wild losing in the seven games here. We still have things to look forward to, of course, with uh, guys like Kirill Kaprizov, Kevin Fiala, and though somebody might get traded here, somebody significant as they try to get a, as they try not to get too far ahead here, but. Back when we lost 
that five-game series versus Winnipeg. And even last year, yeah, we had Fiala to look forward to, and hopefully Kaprizov was going to pan out and be fantastic. We all probably figured he would be, but we didn't know how quickly and how good he really would be because you just don't know until they're on the ice in the NHL. Um, we had some hope last year, but we had a lot of holes, goaltending, this and that, uh, and the culture hadn't improved yet. This and that. Um, but as you head into Game 7 and things snowballed the way they did, it looked like Colorado all over again back in 14. Maybe the Wild would come back and win at the last second, force overtime, tie it up and win it in OT, but it just wasn't meant to be. There was no overtime this time around. So, and there was no Darby Hendrickson making it 3-2 to two late in the third period, which was so freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, scoring on Dan Cloutier of the Vancouver Canucks. Such an awesome moment that was. But you leave this game, you lose this game with some hope, with some absolute hope. You got Kaprizov, for sure. Fiala, probably, unless he's included in some trade to get a, you know, a Jack Eichel or who knows. I would be disappointed to see Kevin Fiala go, but we'll just have to see what happens. It's all yet to be seen. It's all yet to be determined. Yeah, Brodeen inked for a while, and, uh, and he looks fantastic. He doesn't feel like he's part of the problem of the old guard where it just it was just a guy, a bunch of guys who were good but nothing but no, nothing great. There was nothing special about Coyle, Niederreiter, or Granlin. And I know a lot of you love them and, and Zucker. A lot of you love them and this and that, but things weren't progressing. Burdeen, I think, is more important than any of those guys. Dumba, unfortunately, might be part of the guard that's on his way out at the end of the day. And I would not be surprised one bit. Uh, Parisi Suter are the really old guard, so to speak. They were coming at the same time that those guys were just emerging. They came in as big-time free agents, and they were getting super old at the end of that Winnipeg series. They were getting older, and Coyle, Niederreiter, Granlin, just, and Zucker just weren't getting any better anymore. They were kind of already at their peak. It was kind of like, there it is. We've reached our ceiling, and now it's already starting to drop off. This and that. Luckily, now, there's a ton of hope coming in, of course. Again, you got Matthew Boldy, unless he's included in a trade. <laughs> you have Marco Rossi, unless he's included in a trade. Yeah, we could go on forever. Hovenov, hopefully. Uh, Beckman, guys like that that have a chance to be something pretty damn special in the next couple of years. So you got something going on. You have Kakadin as well. Talbot's not going to last forever, but he's sure been damn good. Uh, he's been a valuable, valuable piece. You feel awesome at the end of the day for him and what a valuable piece he was during the course of this series at the end of the day, and I'll give a couple awards for this series at the end of the day. I'll just give an award for this series, as, you know, because you might as well. It's a good idea to do that. Uh, you have Julier Chenek emerging nicely because of Bill Guerin being smart enough to say, we love Eric Stahl and Miko Koivu. You know, we all love them very much, this and that, but it's time to move on. They're too slow, and they're kind of, frankly, dare I say this? Can I say this? Please? They're in the way. They're in the way. Sorry, they're in the way. So, it is what it is. They're in the way. <laughs> and now, guys like Jules Eriksson were able to take more of a lead role. And what happened? They got better. Jules Eriksson Jordan Greenway, to a point. Greenway had some good moments, and at the end of the day, he might be included in some type of a trade, or even on his way to Seattle. Wouldn't break my heart if Greenway wasn't back. But at the same time, when he does use his body, use his physicality, use his strength, there's something there. Obviously, he's got some skills, but 
he's a little bit more, he, he, he feels more Coyle-like to me than he feels like beyond that. He, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be better than Charlie Coyle, unfortunately. So there's that. Um, gosh darn, the whole thing just drives me nuts, too. The whole <laughs> Alex Tuck thing is the most insane, the most frustrating part of all of this. Because when he was here, all of us noticed it. He was just kind of a perimeter player. He wasn't using his body at all. He looked kind of timid. His hands and his, his hands, his movement looked fantastic. That's what I noticed. His skating wasn't all that exciting either. It seemed like he was just kind of, you know, what's the word, plotting? Then he gets to Vegas and it's like immediate overnight. It's like, oh, come on. So Minnesota. He's not Leon Dreisaitl. He's not Yarmer Yager or anybody spectacular. He's not going to make all-star teams year in and year out. But Alex Tuck is clearly a guy that if he was on the Minnesota roster, he's top six, and he's staying in top in the top six. And even if he plays in the third on the third line, pardon me, he would still be extremely productive, which he's played a lot of third line for Vegas. Extremely productive. He'd be the best player on that third line. Kind of like Parisi could be at times when he was, you know, relegated to the third line, but still pretty solid, like a 25-goal guy. Um, Alex Tuck's value was pretty damn good a lot of the time. Um... I'm seeing that Greenway play now, that uh, Pastoretti. Yeah, Greenway is just kind of like, eh, nah, 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 nah. yeah, he was just kind of skating behind him, just kind of, yep, casual, just going for a little stroll, you know, and then Pastoretti's like, thanks, centering pass scores, no resistance. So, yep, I just had to see that again. It's just kind of flashing at the background in the game seven. That was the turning point of the game, by the way, when the Wild had just tied it up. Beautiful uh, play, obviously. It was the, nope, it was not. The Parisi goal was the first one. Kaprizov goal from Zuccarello again on the power play. That was just freaking awesome. That was, uh, what's his name, getting his just due. That freaking Ryan Reeves, obviously, for bruising uh, bruising Ryan Suter's cheekbone pretty badly there. That was nasty. Um, Parisi, though, with kind of like a between-the-legs goal. That was freaking cool, actually. Kind of receiving the the, the pass from Jules neck and finishing it. That was awesome, actually. Um but Alex Tuck obviously has become a very, very, very solid player for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's uh, he's a better skater than we thought, and he doesn't just kind of screw around in the perimeter, because if he did, we weren't going to get far with the guy. He was going to be a disappointment. He was, he was going to be like a worse version of Charlie Coyle, use his body even less than Charlie Coyle, and we'd have been frustrated. You know, so that's what we thought we were having and figured, okay, well, I guess give him up and see what happens. You know, yeah, oh, shoot, we lost Eric Holla too. Oh, well, he'll, he, he's, he's nothing. Yeah, and then Holla ended up being spectacular. He's just a fourth-line center. He ended up being really good that year for Vegas, helping them get to the cup final. And, of course, again, Alex Tuck took uh, strides forward immediately after that. Was Talbot on the top, at the top of his game in Game 7? No. No. <laughs> Is he the reason we lost? Not really. No. I think the play in front of Talbot was not good either. We weren't blocking shots, though we were earlier in the season. That Hagel was bullshit. Pardon my friends. It's bullshit. Come on. But there was just no blocking. There was just nothing going on. It just felt like everybody was frozen in place. Like, oh, 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 it went in. Holy cow. Stuff like that. The Nicholas Hagel drove me crazy. And I don't like Nicholas Hag at all, especially after this series. But, um... It is what it is, A. It is what it is. Zach Whitecloud, I'm not a big fan. Pastoretti is what he is. He finally played, and he scored probably the dagger goal. And, well, it ended up being the game winner. It was definitely a dagger. Max Pastoretti. Pastoretti. 
And uh, if he's healthy, well, <laughs> if he's healthy, this Vegas team has a shot of actually beating the Colorado Avalanche. What do you think of that? Most people are thinking whoever wins this series is just going to get rolled by Colorado anyway because I'm such a great predictor. I had St. Louis beating Colorado in 6 or 7, and it, uh, they got rolled right out of the gym or right out of the rink, I what would be a better way of saying it. Um, very depressing at the end of the day, but what are you going to do? I don't even like St. Louis. I don't like St. Louis or Colorado. I like Vegas and Minnesota way more. Uh, you know, as for the rest of the teams in the division, eh, you know, <laughs> kind of is what it is. Ah, uh, boy. So, yep. <sighs> Let's look at the rest of the playoffs here in a second, but I'll give the... And, of course, Jules Erzenek looked like he was injured in Game 6, but thank God he was able to play in Game 7, but he was definitely limited. Um, very sad. Look, like he banged his knee really hard on either metal or on the ice, but I think it was the metal of the freaking goalpost again. Man, scary. Scary situation. People have been getting hurt like crazy. The, the goalpost really was a problem for the Wild during this series, wasn't it? Broken arm for Marcus Johansson. Probably a badly bruised knee, at the very least, for Jules Erzenek. I mean, that would hurt, and it would be immobilizing. No doubt about it. And that's Ryan Suter got his face mashed in by that SOB Ryan Reeves. Go ahead and do that to uh, Gabriel Landeskog or something, or Kale McCarr. <laughs> if he does that to Kale McCarr, they're going to murder that guy. Ryan Reeves will be, yeah, Ryan Reeves won't play another game in the series. <laughs> They'll murder him, man. <laughs> Even though Colorado's not as mean as Vegas can be, or St. Louis, still. There, there's some meanness on there, and they're, they're still hockey players, eh? <laughs> At the end of the day. Ah, oh, the... <laughs> the Mike Madonna Award for this series is... It's going to be shared by Cam Talbot and Jules Erickson, but a stronger version of it for Cam Talbot, we'll say. They're going to share that. The James Shepard Memorial for this series, it's kind of, all, you know, it could have been Dumba for a while, and he had, he had some really good moments. He was blocking some shots at the end of the day. He had some awful moments, and he had some good moments. He had four blocks in Game 7. He put in a damn good effort. He was good in Game 6 as well, but earlier on, let's go with Victor Rask. He screwed us a lot. He didn't win any face-offs. Really, he won a couple, but not that many. Um, he missed a gimme, this and that. And he's just not in the right place, right time. He doesn't have the skating ability. He doesn't have the scoring ability. He's good enough to be a fourth-line center here and there, but and like an injury replacement, and maybe he'll show up and play better, this and that, you know, in like short, short spurts. That's pretty much what Victor Rask is if you want to bring him back and like run out his contract. Uh, if we're going to end up buying out Parisi, which would be quite the buyout. We'll talk about that in a, uh, later on in the summer, probably. But uh, I'll, I'll actually go over the statistics of it uh, again coming forward here. As we'll use the uh, cap-friendly buyout calendar here, or calculator, pardon me. Come back to that in a second, though. He's the James Shepard. Uh, well, yeah, that's all there is to say about that, the award. So, as we head into... So, you just all you have to do pretty much is go to cap-friendly, go to calculators, and pick the buyout calendar. If you want to, if you want to do it yourself, but I'll even add it in. I'll, I'll do it right now. So Zach Parisi, of course, has four years remaining on his contract. You'll hear what he had to say after the game in a second. I'll probably play that before we get into the postseason conversation. The rest of the postseason, I'm just going to do brief predictions and such. So it'd be four more years of the cap hit of seven point five three eight four six one. Four years in a row of that. That's basically what uh, how things were structured. And of course, his actual base salary: six million next year, two million the year after, and then one million, one million. <laughs> in 24 and 25. 
if uh, the cap hit after the buyout would be, you know, how you'd have to double the years. Double. Double the years. So it would be eight more years. Eight. Ocho, ladies and gentlemen. Ocho. That's why you never sign anybody to 13 effing years. Unless he's 19 years old and it's Connor McDavid. Okay? Okay? <laughs> okay, I'm just messing around. Cap hit next year if the Wild were to buy out Zach Parisi. Massive savings. $5.1 million with the 666667. <laughs> you get the idea. But, uh, yeah, four sixes with a seven at the end. And then cap hit would only be, yeah, because the cap hit would only be $2.371 million. Pretty nice. Pretty nice savings there. Next year, if that would help the Wild, uh, well, at least give guys a raise and maybe acquire Ryan Nugent Hopkins or something, if we're that fortunate to do that. The next year, the cap hit jumps back up to 6.31. Oh, goody. We save $1.16 million. And then the year after that, we're back to 7.3. What the F? So we save only 100,066 two years in a row. So that's the four years. At the end of the day, the contract would have been over there. And then after that, the cap hit would be 800,333 for four more years in a row. So at least after the four years, it's up. One way or another, it would be a, it'd be you know it's a fairly minor cap hit, less than a million dollars. So that's the good part. It's just still you know you save a little bit of money initially, in order to you know maybe make some type of a move here in the off season. A Victor Rask buyout, if it had to come to that, would be actually not so bad. But of course, he only has one year remaining. It'd be four million. His base salary is four million, and his cap hit is four million. And his cap hit. After this, it would jump to two years instead of one. 1.333334 back-to-back years. So you would save 2.6 mil this year. You would save 2.6, well, you know, you six sixes in a row. That's pretty wild. Uh, you would save almost $3 million if you did that buyout and in the cap hit. And you would lose. You would be having to add another 1.3333, you get the idea, a million the next year. So that would be the unfortunate thing. You'd actually lose cap space the next year because otherwise the contract would be up. Odds are they're probably not going to buy out Victor Rask. In fact, they think Victor Rask is the Virgin Mary or something. I mean, I holy Victor, mother of whatever. Holy holy Victor, father of face-offs. Blessed art thou among centers. Yeah, okay. I'm not a Catholic. I'm a different kind of Christian. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I'm just making fun of the situation there, how they seem to really like Victor Rask out there. They, they just love him. Adore him very much. So those are the buyout candidates. Maybe the Wild uh, piece together set up a trade for one or the other where we absorb some of the salary and ultimately get them off the books sooner rather than later. And we'll see what happens without having to just kind of pay them to go away. That type of thing was what a buyout is at the end of the day. So with that, we'll look at the postseason situation now. Everybody's advanced except Montreal-Toronto. What is going on there? Toronto was up three games to one. Now it's a 3-3 tie. montreal Canadiens force a seventh game. Congratulations Montreal with Eric Stahl. <laughs> Eric Stahl's on the roster, but they have some nice young talent like Cole Caulfield. Montreal's about to get a lot better, and that's good. That's good for hockey. Good for hockey to see Toronto and Montreal still kind of hanging along, and then Winnipeg has just been waiting for them forever because they swept right through Edmonton. Come on. I would have much rather seen Edmonton with Rysiddle and McDavid, but guess what? It didn't happen. They got swept because they stink for some reason. Not McDavid and Rysiddle, but the rest of the team stinks. Mike Smith's a good goalie, but there's no defense in front of him. Matt Dumba. 
<clears throat> Matt Dumba to Edmonton for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Anyone? 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 Would they even consider that? I hope so. Um, maybe add in a piece and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, they could use the Matt Dumba and he would help the, he would help the, the other guys be even better. Drysdale and uh, uh, McDavid, you know, he'd help that power play a bit and he'd maybe be just, he'd be something a little more exciting at Edmonton. He'd maybe block a couple shots as well. Yeah, come on, Edmonton. Come on, Edmonton. You don't need Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Dumbo will help you. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, I wish. I wish. Mm. It's not like I hate Dumbo. I just want Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the wild. I do. Uh, Kalen Addison was a little in over his head in Game 7, so there's no guarantee he's going to be this fantastic piece for the wild. But there's a chance. There's a hope. There's a hope. Montreal, Toronto. Awesome. So that goes to Game 7 tonight. Pretty cool. Carolina advances past the Nashville Predators after the Predators tied the series up. It was, what, four overtime games in a row. Carolina survives in Nashville and advances past the Nashville Predators. Uh, Mikhail Grenland had a couple goals in that series. Nice to see. Luke Cunning a couple goals as well. But those are pieces of the uh, the other guard that just wasn't as good. They just weren't as good. There's a reason why Luke Cunning's not on the wild. Gutty guy. Awesome personality. Probably he, he, he would be a good guy to have in the locker room, but just the skill level is kind of all over the place. I don't think he's like giving up Alex Tuck this time around. You get Benino, and you wind up with Kuznodinov. Kuznodinov moving forward, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, Carolina advances, as I expected. I have them winning the Stanley Cup, for crying out loud, to play against the, the uh, defending Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I do predict that is a seven-game ditty, and the winner of that series has a extremely good chance of winning the Cup, but I do think they will be in the final the winner of that series goes to the final for sure, at least if it's going to be Winnipeg-Toronto in the next round. We'll see how the we'll see how the seeding goes at the end of that, though. Uh, Carolina's the number one seed, so they'll probably play. Well, I don't know. Vegas-Colorado actually would be the number one seed. Carolina would be number two. It'd have to be number two, most likely. Uh, Boston-New York would probably be the fourth seed, so they're going to wind up with the winner of. The Vegas Golden Knights or the Colorado Avalanche, who had the both both had the best record in the NHL this season. I think the winner of Toronto and Montreal. I hope the winner of that advances to the conference final. We'll just call it the Prince of Wales. I, I hope they advance. I hope. I would love to see a Canadian team at least get to the conference final, if not the Cup final. I hope so. I don't like Winnipeg. Obviously, Winnipeg is a Canadian team, too. I apologize. But an original six Canadian team. I apologize for that. I don't like Winnipeg. Ugh, I don't like Winnipeg. I don't. I want to see Toronto or Montreal. if it's if yeah, And that will be the next round there. It's the Canadian division. Boston, New York. Boston looks freaking impressive. And New York Islanders did end up beating Pittsburgh, as I expected. Amazing. Boston did end up beating Washington, as I expected. Uh, very impressive. Very impressive start for Boston here. They're now 5-1 and one in the postseason. They look really good. They will beat the Islanders. They're going to beat the Islanders. They'll go to the conference final to probably play the uh, the Lanch or the Golden Knights. I'm going to step out in faith and believe Golden Knights go to seven games. Or actually, no, they'll close it out in six. Golden Knights close it out in six versus the Colorado Avalanche. And the Golden Knights go to the Stanley Cup final. But, uh... Maybe I'm wrong. It's going to be Boston. i got a good feeling about the Boston Bruins, actually. They look really good right now. But, like usual, their their magic always seems to run out, doesn't it? Unless it's 2011, when it just never did. That was awesome. Vegas will go to the Cup Final, one way or another, versus Carolina. And it's going to be an epic battle. Congratulations to whoever wins that series. I'm gonna, it's going to go to 7, and boy, I don't know. <laughs> I'm beginning to think Vegas could win it. 
Um, and quite frankly, I know everybody out there is saying go Avalanche right now. I'm not. Am I bitter about the series? A little bit. A little bit. I don't like the Golden Knights as much as I did before. They were kind of my second favorite team for ever since they jumped out on the ice. I was. I just kind of like them and Calgary. I like a lot of teams. I like Tampa. I like Carolina. I like a lot of teams. I do. But Vegas was always kind of like the number two team behind the Wild. So I'm going to stick with that. I, I, it's not like the New Orleans Saints years ago when I kind of liked the Saints. And then we had that bitter loss to them and the NFC Championship came back in 09 and the injury and the the cheap bounty hunter bullshit. I, I could never respect a team like that for the rest of eternity, especially if the coach is still there, which he was, which he was, which he still is, and even the starting quarterback. He had nothing to do with that, but his attitude and his arrogance about the whole thing bothered me too. Him being Drew Brees, of course. Um, he finally, finally went away now. <laughs> uh, it's funny how Vegas, ironically, how they're black, gold and black uniforms as well. But I like the Golden Knights still. I don't like them as much, but uh, that'll that'll wear off, and I'll feel better. They won't be in the same division next year uh, if, if all goes well. Vegas Golden Knights versus Carolina in the final, and I just say pick them at this point. <laughs> uh, now nah, Carolina's still going to win, but I'd be very happy if Vegas is able to pull it out because, I don't know, they don't have one yet. Carolina's got a cup already, so we'll see. Though, obviously, it was a totally different generation. We'll see, but I'm going to have Carolina and Vegas in the final. But maybe it'll be Carolina and Colorado. Epic battle, that would be. Big time. Don't be surprised either way there. But I still think Carolina advances to the final. They they held their own nicely. Tampa did really well against Florida as well. With that, we'll take a quick break and get to a very, very fun in, uh, fan interaction segment. Thank you again, Derek Belska on Twitter. And of course, uh, at Grease and Assess. What an awesome guy he truly is. And I certainly wouldn't mind having him on the show. But it turns out I had, kind of had to piece things together. I wasn't going to do the whole show at once. Just the way things are, I have to do it at this time, and then I have something to do, and then I do the fan interaction later, that type of thing. So that's just kind of how it goes at the end of the day. That's how things go with the scheduling of this show, uh, especially in like a, you know, we call it a holiday weekend. I call it Memorial Day weekend. I like to say the name of the holiday. So it, it is what it is, and I don't want to just suddenly go, hey, Derek, come on, come on, you want to come on? You know, at the last second, and who knows if he's doing something else. You don't know. Maybe he isn't. Maybe he is. I, I just don't want to be that guy to, to like, suddenly, like, oh, come on, on, come on, let's let's do it now, or whatever. So, it is what it is. I appreciate, though, and I, I'd, <laughs> yep, uh, I'll have him on again uh, very soon. Though. Derek Bell what an awesome guest he's, he's been the, when, when he's been on the show, and the shows have been really well when he's been on, too. And it's not just about, like, my show's doing well. Gotta have Derek on. No, it's because he, he's, he's really good. He's a good guy. And, well, quite frankly, I would listen to the show if he was on. Think about it. If I was a listener of Brave the Wild, and maybe I listen 50% of the time, Derek's on, download and listen. <laughs> it is kind of like that. He's a, he's, he's, he's a great hockey mind. It's plain and simple. Great hockey mind. Great blogger. Uh, he's been writing for... He's been writing longer than I've been podcasting. And I've been podcasting for 14 years. That's a long time. Um, and he just does a fantastic job, does Derek. So, well, it's 13 and a half years, but you get the idea. <laughs> it's been 13 seasons doing Brave the Wild. Yeah, but uh, he's been doing it, what, 17 years now. That is a, uh, that's a survivor, boy. And survivors are the best people out there. They truly are. With that, we'll get to fan interaction after this. <laughs>
Zach, um, you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned the sideshow stuff. I mean, how much this offseason does this have to be addressed so you're comfortable with the role going forward here? You know, I mean, I think that, that uh, conversation is going to be for a different day. Um, we'll see where it goes. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to figure that out. In, uh, in the coming coming summer, what's going to happen? But I, I, I really I don't have an answer on that right now. Do you worry that this was your last game with Minnesota? I mean, I got four years left in my deal. Um, that's I guess that's not really up to me at the time. Um, but right now, um, you know, just disappointed in the outcome of the game. And that was the voice of Michael Russo and, of course, Zach Parisi. Uh, conversation after Game 7. Zach Parisi, also the quote that was kind of missed when they talked about the sideshow conversation, basically was, Zach Parisi had said right before that, these are special games and opportunities with all the sideshow stuff that's been going on. Yeah, I was ready to play from day one. Tonight was no different. Well, I mean, I'm kind of on... Judd Zolgad's side there, and uh, Declan Goff, when they were talking about how, hey, you know, if he was, <laughs> he was fresh. I mean, he was fresh, and he hadn't scored in the last nine games he'd played in before that, so scored in any way, goals or assists. Is he better than Marcus Johansson? Probably. Uh, throughout his career, not even close, even though Johansson did have a very nice uh, playoff run with Boston when they went to the Cup Finals in Game 7. Unfortunately, they lost that one to St. Louis. But, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to kick a guy when he's down either when it comes to Parisi or Marcus Johansson. So my apologies if that annoys anybody. One quick addendum and errata before I get to the Vigit application and then ultimately fan interaction. Addendum and errata, as we say <laughs> in the business. When I said we suck, we've sucked at home forever on the last show, it sounded like I'm just saying we always suck at home. No, I meant in the postseason. We haven't had a good record in the postseason. That was kind of the main theme of last year the last couple episodes of the of uh, Brave the Wild. So my apologies there if anybody took that the wrong way. I didn't get any uh, hate mail or or like questions or what the heck is he talking about, anything like that, but just in case, because not everybody uh, takes the time to tweet or, or private message or anything like that. So just in case anybody's wondering what the hell is he talking about, yeah, we played well and we played, we've played well at home in the, in the regular season, generally speaking. But in the postseason, it's just not been the case. It's been a big frustration forever for myself, and I'm sure many a Wild fan that uh, pays attention to details like that. You think, oh, the the great, uh, the, the nice confines of, of the Excel Energy Center, and it's like, well, not so much in the postseason. For Gopher Hockey, yeah, that was wonderful. He won a national championship there, and of course, a semifinal game two days before. But uh, let's digress. And of course, Minnesota Duluth. Let's digress to the Vigit application, then we can jump right into fan interaction. The Vigit application on Apple and Android devices, of course, just look it up, V-I-G space I-T, so just two different words. It is a basically a sports betting application without betting real money. You're not actually betting real money, so that's really important that you know that. Uh, social media for sports bettors, you can post about your picks and see what others are saying about games. Vigit betting leagues, month-long, uh, a month-long betting competition to see who's the best sports better over the course of a month. Free to play sports book, bet free coins, win real prizes, and number four, betting stats. There is great information 
available on on the wicket line movement where the public is betting. So very important. Again, this is not real money wagering. But again, bet free coins, win real prizes, all kinds of competitions against each other, and like national competitions where you can win real prizes, stuff like that. So very fun. Do download it. And when you do, when they ask who referred you, Paladino Live, all one word, P-A-L-A-D-I-N-O-L-I-V-E. And, of course, that will be in the show description. Thank you in advance for joining the Vigit application. would be great to uh, get you on there, get going on there. So now to the actual fan interaction, at Brave the Wild. At Brave the Wild is our Twitter account, the Twitter account. I want to thank Vince Germano and Tanae Brown. Vince Germano out of Australia and Tanae Brown for retweeting the most recent show. Thank you guys so very much. I believe it was retweeted by some other people. We'll catch up with that very shortly. Uh, Derek Velska shared it, saying, with the Wild trailing 3-1 to one in the series against Vegas, do you have a Minnesota Wild question on your mind? Okay, that was actually the, the question part. But yeah, thank you very much. He also, again, shared it. So here we go. Now I get to get a couple of, get to a couple of questions and comments that were posted right after I had uh, recorded the show so I can get to them now. So I'm not going to miss you, which is good. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm not going to leave you hanging, which is important. Hopefully, yeah, so I won't miss, uh, you won't miss out on getting on the show is what I'm trying to say. Vegas Golden Refs at Jody Helvey. Jody Helvey. So Jody, you're getting on board now. <laughs> she says, Vegas is slowing us down with the blue line, taking away our forecheck. Why haven't we been able to fix that? It's like, it's almost like simple. It's almost like just generally we're just, uh, they're just better at it. And I don't know. I mean, they, they, they're both teams are deep, but Vegas is kind of a better version of what the wild are. Though right now flashing in the background, Colorado's leading Vegas six to one in game one. Robin Leonard's been in net uh, after a bit here. Yeah, it's just, it's a game that's uh, gone south quickly for the Vegas Golden Knights. Six to one deficit uh, with about 15 minutes remaining. In the third period, as Jacques Lemaire would say, uh, boy, uh, it's been a it's been an ugly one. It was uh, Vegas was down five nothing at one point. Then William Carlson, the former forty three goal scorer, finally scored something. Gosh, Nathan McKinnon has eight goals already in the postseason. This is the fifth game he's played in. So that's one of the reasons why the uh, these teams are just better. I guess Robin Leonard started, and uh, well, he's not going to be starting a lot of games if it turns out this way. Robin Leonard did start, yes, yeah, so I apologize for that. I hadn't been able to keep up with this one as much, and of course, again, this uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are not the main focus of the show, and neither are the Colorado Avalanche, so my apologies. I had it on, and then I just, you know, then I was having dinner and all that such, and you know how you kind of lose track of what's going on, because you gotta, you know, you're with your wife, whatever, you can't just, just stare at your phone the whole time, even though she might do that to me, but uh, I digress there, kill my car, wow, three assists, mm. yep, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been dominant, the Wild never took Vegas down like this, this season, so, well, for all of you rooting for Colorado, screw you, no, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, whether I, whether I say screw you or not, they're, Screwing the Vegas Golden Knights pretty good right now. Robin Leonard has given up six goals. It's all been on Robin Leonard. But I'm sure a tired, beat-up uh, Vegas team. The Wild did some damage to this club. and Luckily for them, it's just one game. Just like with us. Just one game. So that's the good news. That's the good news. Uh, sometimes that's just how it goes at the end of the day. Um, wow. <laughs> Let's get to the actual interaction. Yeah, but... Uh, Generally, they were just better at it. They were just better at it, uh, how, uh, Jody. 
just kind of better at everything, it seemed like. Uh, generally speaking, when it came to slowing us down at the blue line, that's just kind of how the game was played. And, of course, the Wild did a fantastic job of that in Game 6, the neutral zone traps type, type style. We kind of did a similar thing to them. It was kind of a back and forth of that. But at the end of the day, Vegas had just, just had a little more talent than the Wild at the end of the day. And uh, that's why the Wild need to build up some of that talent in this offseason via trades and draft and all that draft picks panning out, God willing. And, of course, a trade or a free agent acquisition or both during the course of the offseason. Certainly wasn't the goaltender's fault. And, of course, again, <clears throat> Jonas Brodeen's injury as well. A uh, strange part of the, uh, what do they call it, the AC joint for him was tweaked a bit. Sounds like it's nothing super serious. He doesn't need the shoulder surgery or anything like that. But, uh, it, you know, it just it kept him out of the game. And the Wild had only five defensemen in game number seven. Not the way you want to start things out. It's always a really bad sign. And then, of course, magically, Patsy Reddy's back. And, of course, uh, Ryan Reeves is back as well. Brian Herrera also kind enough to retweet the most recent episode. Thank you very much, Brian Herrera, who's uh, apparently he's, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. He's uh, he's somebody who's uh, already wrote a review for both Purple Mafia and Brave the Wild on Apple Podcasts. So, really nice. Derek Felska was previewing the game. Game five, pardon me. Continue forward here. And yep, he said, currently listening to the latest Brave the Wild episode as he talks the Minnesota Wild playoff struggles and takes questions and comments from Jay Bushy, Brian Herrera, VI Sports Talk. That is, yep, that is <laughs> Isha Jerome of the Soda Pod. State of Hoppy also, uh, the Soda Pod. Nostra Kenneth also. Thank you guys so much for the interaction. Always appreciate that. And what were we saying? Me and me and Isha, again of the Soda Pot, he's the one from Vancouver Island there, British Columbia. What were we saying? He was saying since March it's been absolute hell. My God. Does anybody know how to go down the stairs without causing earthquakes? I mean, it's not that hard. God, I hate I hate the apartment life. I can't wait to get out of this one of these days. Gotta have one of the uh, cryptocurrencies move up for me a little bit because I am sick of apartment life, let me tell you. I was saying Apple Podcast has been awful for a while. Yeah, Isha was saying, Apple, get it together. This is Bush League, Apple Podcast, da-da-da. And I was saying, yeah, but they've been awful for a while. It's really frustrating. And he says, since March, it's been absolute hell. I swear, it feels like even longer. I was saying, I agree. I'm not sure what the hell is going on with these guys. And he says, neither do they. Yep, uh, what a cool guy. I love I, I love Isha. <laughs> yeah, we've just become better friends here through Twitter. Uh, Got to get on that show one of these days, I'm sure. And <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, man. Uh, so I'll continue. And I have, have him on here. Or of course, again, Hoppy, too, who lives in, who lives locally here in the Twin Cities. Hoppy, that would be Scott, the other member of the Soda Pod, the two big shots there. Brian Herrera says, and no, challenge, no, no Vegas challenges for any goals yet. That was during Game 5, I'm guessing. Must have been. Yeah, I was saying the Wild Mean Business. This is extremely impressive. This must have been Game 6. Couldn't have been, could it? Yeah, this is game six, and he says, no Vegas challenges for any goals yet. Yeah, that was game six. That was, because game five wasn't that impressive. It was impressive in terms of, like, we kind of took, took a, we, we kind of did something there, made a move forward. Black Space says, and of course, yep, he's been involved, which is great. He says, imagine if we played like this every game, we would be the avalanche. We would be the avalanche. Yeah, that must have been game six. It had to have been, yep, May 24th, and it was. Yep, oh, we would be, wouldn't we? The avalanche. Yeah, the Avalanche. They're they're only up six to one on Vegas now. The team that was, you know, we had a tough time. Beth says this hit hard. Yep, 
Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 we would be the avalanche. Interesting thought, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Uh, see if we get some. Yep, and Derek was previewing game six. Or at least, actually, uh, Teresa was. That's his wife. He was sharing it, which is awesome. Let's get game six with Wild Nation there. Mm-mm. Give that one a follow. Come on now. Jody Addison said yes. Must have been one of the big plays there. Okay, that was game five. I was saying we mean business, I suppose, in the third period. Because the second period wasn't that good. <laughs> it wasn't that good, actually. <laughs> Tanae Brown was saying, well, yeah, but yeah, this is after game six. Here we go. Now it's after game six, a couple of days later. So, yeah. Yeah. The Wild did mean business as we moved forward in that third period. Yes, we kind of took it away. And that was a great feeling. Denae Brown was saying after Game 6, the Wild had the perfect game plan. I can't believe we've gotten 7 past Flurry in the past two games. Take care of business in Game 7, and they'll need to bring everything against the Avs. They look unbelievable. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, my. Uh, uh, yeah, I tweeted out something as we were heading towards Game 7. I was saying the Minnesota Wild are undefeated in Game 7s and are also undefeated in close-out situations. Bold well, bodes well for, very, very well for Minnesota. Because, yes, what's really important, yeah, I wish I got to talk about it again, but I, do, but I don't get to now because uh, it's over. <laughs> but uh, the Wild were also 4-0 in close-out situations. Do you understand what that is, right? When you have the three wins and you finish a team off, yes. We were undefeated in Game 7. That was the only close-out situations we'd had in 03 and eventually uh, 2014. But then we had a closeout situation, a 3-2 lead versus St. Louis in 2015, and the Wild beat them too. So think about that. We were 4-0 and in closeout games. That's really good. That's what the Blackhawks were really known for. And that was the fear with that Game 6 situation. As good as the Wild had played, uh, that, that was the best chance the Wild truly had. The 2014 postseason where we got past Colorado, we actually were in the series versus the Chicago Blackhawks. They went. It was very similar. Chicago went up 2 nothing. We tied it up just like we did with Colorado. They won game five, and it looked like we might have game six. It had gone to overtime. We were hoping for that Richard Park, we'll see you tomorrow night type of goal. You know what I mean? Or we'll see you in a couple days type of thing. It would have been a Tuesday night uh, game seven because I remember that was a Sunday afternoon of, uh, back in fourteen. And it just didn't happen. That was Stanton Gate. The puck somehow wound up on Patrick Kane's stick, and that was it. It was just devastating. The Wild were that close to going to Game Seven in Chicago. That might not have. That game might have turned out like last night's game with the. Uh, not last night's game, but a couple of days ago here with the uh, Golden Knights. A couple of nights ago, pardon me, with the Golden Knights feels like just last night, doesn't it? But it's already been two days. Uh, and it's Peter Angelo wearing that number seven. Yes, there he is in the penalty box. And, um, yeah, just the Game 7 is heartbreaking versus Vegas. But, well, the other major important statistic that we got to bring up here before we continue is, apparently, Peter 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 DeBoe is, uh, is now 6-0 and in Game 7s. That's impressive. He's the anti-Boudreau, I guess. Get, get Peter DeBoer to Game 7, and maybe you can win a Stanley Cup. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if they're going to survive a 7 game versus Colorado, but uh, we'll see. Luckily, again, I'll say it one more time for Vegas. It's just one game. It's just one game. I mean, we got throttled by St. Louis in that series. We won in six, so don't forget that. St. Louis absolutely throttled us. I believe it was game four. Made Dubnik look like doo-doo. And then the Wilds still ended up winning that series 
It felt damn good. Uh, it was awesome. Let's go wild, says Wild Nation. Derek Belska, preview of Game 7. Tom Han says, it's a lock about Game 7. <laughs> I wish it was. Oh, Tom, I wish I was. It's a lock, Minnesota Wild. Calm yourselves. Enjoy the day. Get out and play 18 holes. Go catch a basket of sunnies. Yep, sunfish. Oh, man, wouldn't that be great? That is, that's got me feeling good just thinking about that, doesn't it? <sighs> More worried about Game 2, Tuesday night, against the Snowflakes, because I'll be back in the 763 for that one. That is, uh, <laughs> I love that. that. That's a good one. I like that, Tom. I wish that was true. I wish that was true. I mean, would that be cool if we actually went into game one and one? But odds are we'd be down at least one nothing with the way Colorado looks right now. I'll say for the 19th time now, at least it's just one game. And I'm just saying that to myself as I say how badly Vegas is getting throttled. What? Nine-minute power play? See, that's what I get for not paying attention. What? Well, I can't pay attention. I'm doing a podcast and the TV's over there. What the? It's to my left. To, to my left, not your left, but mine. Oh my god. Wow. It's going to be like 14 nothing. See, maybe Colorado will actually score on the, on the bleeping power play when they get extra penalty minutes. Like, how can you have a penalty last that long? Frick. I missed something very serious, and I'm sorry that I did. Oh, yep. Now me and Ali Sidikai talk about what Norm Green did moving the North Stars. I was talking about. You know, that Game 7 loss to the frickin' Avalanche, or Avalanche to the uh, Golden Knights. This kind of reminds me of Minnesota North Stars losing to Detroit in 1992. That was Game 7. But we were the team that blew the 3-1 to lead that time. It was a game that gradually got worse and worse. And Ali Sidikai says, and then the next year, the unthinkable happened. They moved away. This turned into an extensive conversation. I'm going to have to look for that now. And, of course, eventually I'll finally get to the hashtag BTWMN. But luckily, I think... Yeah, here we go. Okay, so we'll bring this up. Yeah, I was thinking exactly. That was as depressing as it gets when they moved away. Ali Zedekai says, I can only imagine I'd likely be a hockey fan now if they never left, and that would be the North Stars. Again, losing... Yeah, ultimately, they lost to Detroit in seven games. They blew a lead, which was so depressing. Derek Felska also wrote a very, very, very good article, which I think is very important for any Wild fan to read in this one. At Crease and Assist, at Crease and Assist, he says, five things we learned about the Wild in their series loss to Vegas. I have an Iowa Wild season wrap-up, too, along with lots of thank you to, uh, thank yous to readers. Check it out. And, yes, uh, I retweeted it. At least I hope I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I'm not going to spoil anything. Just just read it right away. It's right there in the thread. And follow at Crease and Assist. That is Derek Belska, who will be on the show again. I, again, I, I apologize, Derek. It's just the way this, uh, you know, his 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 weekend opened up to have time to come on the show, and then me, it's just unpredictable schedule. I, I, it's just too hard to commit to something, and then you don't know when you're going to be there and when you're not going to be there. And again, like, like I was saying earlier, I pieced the show together. This wasn't all just one quick shot here. Uh, Brett Marshall, what was he saying? And there's a cat upstairs now that sounds like it's psychotic. Yeah, well, oh well. Someone give me a follow. Okay, here we go. Derek Falska says, Is Minnesota's loss still stinging? Got a Minnesota Wild question on your mind about the series or the club in general? Ask Brave the Wild. Just tag your questions. Hashtag BTWMN and ask away. 
Yep, thank you so much, Derek. And then Derek also, again, jumps on board, which I always really appreciate. And again, it'd be cool if he was on, and I apologize, Derek, I really do. I, I do. I, I know how it is when, like, your schedule opens up, and finally, let's do something, and I'm like, I don't know, you had... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I didn't want to make things more complicated than it needed to be for both of us, basically, because you never know how people's schedules can just randomly change. Derek says, which player... You can only pick one, so I better make damn sure. Which wild player you thought played the best game to game for the Minnesota Wild during their series against Vegas? Who was the worst? Again, pick one, and I will. I, I promise. <sighs> I played best game to game. Well, I can only pick one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, because I got two on my mind for that, and I gotta, I gotta pick one. Well, everyone's gonna say Talbot. I'm gonna go with Jewel Eriksonek, and yeah, I'm gonna go with Jewel Eriksonek. He's gonna get the, because uh, I'm thinking about skaters here. I really appreciate what uh, Cam Talbot did, but I think Jewel Eriksonek was the most consistent throughout the series. And again, you know, he was solid. He even won a decent amount of faceoffs, and he's somebody I think is a middle six forward going forward, going forward. Yeah, that was cute. Um, a future second or, yeah, second or third line center. He doesn't have to be a top line, but I will go with Jewel Erickson next since I can only pick one. And you know what? I agree with that because everybody's always going to be like, I'm going to pick two or three. No, one. Actually, I'm actually glad that you were strict about that. Who played the worst? I got to go with Victor Rask. He just, he's a non-entity. Oh, he's a non-entity. And I don't like I didn't like the people just kind of ragged on him all year last year. I kind of agreed with Bill Guerin to give the guy a chance this year. I was very much willing to give him a chance, and I thought he was okay during the course of the season. Here come the playoffs, though, and it's like clearly the guy, he's capable of certain things. He can win a face-off once in a while. You know, he can penalty kill a little bit. He has no business being on any top line or any power play. Absolutely none. And it's just he had he had a gimme chance to score and he didn't really provide anything else. So I'm going to pick him. If I can only pick one, I, I was very disappointed in him. Dumbo would have been the second choice, but he stepped up greatly in games six and seven. I thought Dumbo did pretty well in game six and seven, but uh, it might end up being just a uh, last hurrah for both Dumbo and Parisi as they both were very productive in games six and seven. But you got to be productive more often, like Julia Eriksson-Eck was at the end of the day. So that's why I added in that direction. Derek continues with a new one, says... Does this latest playoff loss feel better because the Wild were not ragdolled or inspired like their last few one-and-dones, or is it still horrible? Does this team advance beyond the first round next season? It, it feels better because here's one thing. They weren't ragdolled. They weren't ragdolled. They were very much in it. It was irritating how limited they were in the face-off circle. I mean, really irritating. It just shows you how badly we need help there. But you saw a want to. You saw a grit. You saw a team that wasn't going to give up. You saw a team that was painfully disappointed in the loss. In the past, you didn't really get that feeling. You just kind of got the feeling like the suitors of the world or other guys like that. Like, okay, well, I'm just happy to be in Minnesota. You know, like Eric Stahl, great guy, but, uh, you know. Happy to be in Minnesota, going to gonna retire here and do this and do that. 
blah, 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 blah. You know, I guess it's time to go golfing and wherever. You know, either Brookview, Brookview here in Golden Valley or uh, go golfing in Florida, or I, which I wouldn't do. That's way too hot. Why would you golf in Florida as it gets warmer and warmer? That's okay. Uh, go golfing in freaking uh, Alaska if you want to cool off a little bit from the heat that might be coming because that's just, you know, that's summer. Summer can get pretty hot in this neck of the woods, believe it or not. Um, I don't think it was horrible. I thought Game 7 was, was horrible. Game 7 was a letdown. Game 7 was horrible, but generally speaking, generally speaking, the series as a whole, it feels better. It feels better because you feel like we're going to build on this. You feel like with some help in that freaking center position, which we could talk about till we're blue in the face, it's got to freaking happen first. But with help at that center position, something's there. I don't think this is just a little lucky season, like, oh, wow, oh, wow, Julia Chanek really jumped up this year. All right. And then the next year, uh, uh, 18 points again, you know, in 75 games, 18 points, yeah, nine goals, nine assists. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jules going to be even better. And you can also, again, have a good, strong indicator as to who you might want to move on with. Because Bill Guerin's not done. Bill Guerin's not done at all. I could just imagine Billy Guerin, since he hates the... For some reason, he doesn't like to be called Bill Guerin. He likes Billy. That's unusual. It sounds young. Billy sounds a little younger, but maybe that's why. Or because it sounds like he's still playing. Yeah. Hey, Billy. Hey, Billy, over here, Billy. <laughs> nice shot there, Billy. Nice shot there, eh? <laughs> Uh, he's definitely not done. He's definitely not done. And obviously we got to, and we got two draft picks as well. Very unlikely either one of them is going to skate in the NHL next year because they're not going to be that high of a pick. You know, it's two playoff teams here. Pittsburgh is already out again, which is really kind of crazy. They're out again. And the team they beat got beat pretty soundly by Boston. Pittsburgh and Boston could have been a pretty cool second-round series, actually, but uh, just didn't happen. Didn't happen, did it? Uh, and I apologize, Hoppy. I know you like the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know uh, if Chris Porter, if he's listening, he also is a Penguins fan. I'm sorry. You know, it is what it is. It certainly wouldn't have helped our draft position because it just doesn't matter. You know, like <laughs> if, if they missed the playoffs, that would have really helped that draft position. There I go babbling off into La La Land again. I apologize, but at least it's hockey-related and wild-related. Um, game 7 sucked, but it's better. There's just a more positive vibe. There's something to build upon. Does this team advance beyond the first round next season? I say, yeah. Obviously, hockey's fluky. Weird things can happen. You know, you could have the best record in the league, and then the Los Angeles Kings roll in in 2012 and sweep you. And you're just like, what? What the hell? Where Vancouver wasn't talking about advancing past the first round, they were talking about winning the Stanley Cup because they lost in Game 7 the year before to the Boston Bruins. I'm sure Isha Jerome was not a happy camper. He was much younger then. Obviously, that's 10 years ago. Even I was much younger, but I was I was 30 already, 31. Um, that had to be devastating. I mean, it sucks. You get to Game 7 of the Cup Finals rather than just the first round, and you lose. Fluky things can happen, but I think, generally speaking, this team should be a at least an Elite 8 type of team going into next season. Now I'm almost getting the hiccups here. That's what I get, though, right? Brian Herrera, welcome aboard, and here it is. Yep, do you remember Iron Metalhead? Yes, I do. He showed up on both the Minnesota, uh, excuse me, the Brave of the Wild and Purple Mafia uh, 
Apple Podcasts uh, reviewers. Really appreciate you so much. Yeah, so he gave positive reviews for both. I'm going to check out the... Yeah, I'm going to look at it right now because I know it's right there still on uh, Brave the Wild. And again, please, somebody out there, do write a positive review about the show. So back in January, Iron Metal, had, uh, Iron Metal Man on Purple Mafia, he was saying, I grinned ear to ear. I got a shout-out on Purple Mafia. I made my day. Thank you for making my day. <laughs> so that was you. Cool. Yeah, here's the Purple Mafia one. Because I know he said something really nice on there, and I know that... Uh, yeah, but I got a really nice rating recently. That was nice. On uh, the Purple Mafia one. Here he is. Iron Metal Man says, Isn't this the host of Brave of the Brave the Wild podcast? I love that podcast. Yep, that's me. <laughs> I'm the same guy. And Timberwolves Explosion, if you happen to like basketball. Timberwolves Explosion as well. Yes, I'm a little crazy, but uh, this, yeah. I mean, hockey's my, my favorite. You know, hockey's my overall favorite, but uh, try to keep up with the Minnesota sports as best I can. And, of course, I keep up with uh with all of them and uh learn a lot but ho hockey's like my main sport uh, as you can probably tell um derek felska says would you rather be the minnesota wild this offseason or the seattle kraken who has a tougher task wild gm bill garen or kraken gm ron, ron francis ron francis it just sounds french doesn't it i don't know i'm just messing around ron francis bill garen sorry um who has the tougher task? Boy. If anything, if anything, expansion teams these days in the National Hockey League, especially when you when your owner puts in like five hundred million, is it, or even more now, to start your franchise, they get a lot of advantages. They get a lot of advantages. They're kind of the. I think I'd rather be Ron Francis. I, I think I would. Um, Bill Guerin, obviously he has some nice chips. Guys like Terrell Kaprizov. Guys like, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Fiala. But there's a lot of missing parts, obviously, in Minnesota. It, it's going to be tough because you're still kind of going against the cap a little bit. you got to give those two guys a raise. At the same time, you also got to give a guy that really stepped up this year, Jewel Erickson. I can, don't you dare let it be some stupid contract year thing where, oh, Jewel Erickson was way better this year. And then he drops off. I'm thinking that won't happen. I think Jules got a lot more to offer, and he damn well better. Gosh dang it anyway, he better. <laughs> Forgive my pardon my French, if that's French if it, at all. But um, uh, I think Ron Francis and the Kraken, they're kind of at an advantage, if anything. Like, because you, know, uh, you you got to give us someone. So who's it going to be, Billy? Who's it going to be, Billy? Who's it going to be, uh, you know, Pittsburgh? Who's it going to be, Chicago? Who's it going to be, huh? You know, you're, you're, you're going to lose somebody of significance. See, the Minnesota Wild and the Columbus Blue Jackets were absolutely screwed because we we were stupid enough to both come in at the same time. And you know what happens when you both come in at the same time? Yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> well, you know, the other team might have taken the other guy that might have been available for you and stuff. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pain. So you wind up with a bunch of junk. You might get super lucky with... Uh, see, Wes Walls. I don't think he was even taken in the expansion draft. I think he was like a free agent, if I remember correctly. Jim Dowd, I do believe, was expansion draft. Brad Bombardier, I can't remember. Crap. Sean O'Donnell, I think, was expansion draft. That was a really good one. Here's one of the best ones. Joe Juno was a decent one for us. But generally speaking, it was a lot of junk. Uh, we took, what, three goalies? One of them was Jamie McLennan, who played one year. 
He was the St. Louis goalie at the time. Backup goalie to Curtis Joseph. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go back that far. You betcha I do. <laughs> it's not even that long ago, really. Let's go back into the early 90s, damn it. <laughs> early 90s, late 80s. Um, Mike Vernon. I mean, of all people, Mike Vernon. I remember thinking, wow. And then Chris Terreri from the New Jersey Devils. And then Emmanuel Fernandez. Okay, yeah, Manny Fernandez was a trade with the Dallas Stars, if I remember correctly. It was some kind of a trade where we got him from the Dallas Stars. Yes, he was traded. I still remember his quote because I'm crazy. I'm a psycho. I remember his stuff. He said, it's the first time I've been traded, so I'm a little sad, but I'm excited for the opportunity to, uh, uh, the opportunity in Minnesota, or he might become a starter. So I still remember the quote, and I'm not reading it. I'm not crazy. Yes, I'm crazy. Because I was that excited about him coming here. Because I was a Dallas Stars fan back then, because they were still the North Stars, and the Wild hadn't played yet. I was a Dallas Stars fan. Shh, don't tell anybody, okay? If you tell anybody about that, I'm going to come and... I'm going to I'm gonna hunt you down if you tell anybody about that. That, that kind of talk doesn't fly around here, so... <sighs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think Ron Francis has a, has the upper hand, though, at the end of the day. There I go, reminiscing into La La Land again. I can't help it, but that's part of the fun of it, isn't it? It's the off-season now. You know, you can't expect it to be a, uh, everything is short and sweet, a uh, 25-minute uh, show, and everything's hard-hitting. And But in a 25-minute show, you can hardly even say anything. You have to cut yourself off. So that, that just takes the fun out of it. So this one's, of course, going to be a bit longer. We're not going to be on air until State of the Wild 2021. And we're definitely going to want some tweets about your most valuable player, biggest disappointment, and biggest surprise of the season. I already know who mine are going to be. At least I'm pretty sure. I think a lot of you, I think we already know who the most valuable player is. But uh, let's continue. Derek again says, do you think number 11 will waive his no-move clause if the Minnesota Wild ask him to do so? Or will he say no and sort of get the team back for what they did? And should the Wild talk to other guys about waiving their other no-move protection, like uh, number 20, perhaps? <laughs> they should definitely approach them about it. Especially, you know, going into with this whole Seattle draft, the odds of Seattle taking Zach Crazy is like one in a billion. I would be shocked. I would be shocked, and I think it would be a selfish dick move if either if either one of them really griped about it at this point. Ryan Suter's not going to play for the Seattle Kraken. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the odds of them taking him with with that kind of nonsense remaining and his age and such, that would be just nonsense. So please, please waive your no move clause. I think they should. I think they should talk to him, absolutely. Will they cooperate? They they better. They freaking better. You know, I mean, and I do believe Zach Parisi has played his last game for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, he wants to be out of here. That's the talk from guys like Darren Doogie Wolfson and such. He's on he's on good authority that Zach Parisi wants out. He, he wants to go. And some of his quotes, his, his telling quotes are a little bit meaner than uh, Aaron Rodgers' quotes lately. So, they're a little bit meaner sounding than Aaron Rodgers' quotes. We'll see if he suits up for the Green Bay Packers come the fall. We'll see. <laughs> Check out Purple Mafia, I guess, for that. But uh, we'll talk about that later, of course, on that show. Much later, probably. And then Johan says, yes, it stings getting that close, but to play the Avs without Brodeen would have been a nightmare. Oh, yes, it would have. I think it's still 6-1. to one. Good job, Vegas. At least you're keeping them scoreless for a couple, couple uh, minutes here. How do we trade for Eichel? Need to upgrade at center for sure. How do we manage the cap and sign 97, 22, and 14? 
and have room for better center. I'm encouraged about next year. Well, for one, I mean, I'd say Dumba's probably not going to be back. That could be $6 million off the books, depending on the, who you acquire, who and what you acquire in the situation. Um, the cap situation might be too tight with Eichel in order to get all those guys. That's the other thing. Parisi off the books. Uh, well, we could save that significant amount, at least the first year, and then deal with it the next year, because he'll be back at the $7 million range again for the cap hit the next year. So... <sighs> Yeah, and eventually we're down to eight hundred thousand. The last, you know, four extra years, it'd be eight thirty-three. The next four years after, like, well, would have been the four years remaining on the contract. Julie Eriksenek, I gotta think. Hopefully, hopefully he can get to four. Hopefully, we can get him at four or lower, like three and a half million a year for like you know five years or something like that. Twenty-two and ninety-seven. Oh boy, a lot of people really would love to see. 24-year-old uh, Kirill Kaprizov and 24-year-old uh, Kevin Fiala locked up long-term without completely breaking the bank. Uh, Johansson's coming off the books, $4 million. Uh, Benino, maybe you save the entire four and just let him walk, or you could bring him back for like 2 or 1.7 or something like that. You save two two plus million there. Uh, Nick Bukestad off the books, blah, blah, blah. Ian Cole off the books. I, I would like to see Ian Cole and Benino back. Just the question becomes, at what price? That's the question. At what price do they come back? <laughs> so, that's the thing. I mean, they'd have to take pay cuts. And it's like, you played well, but uh, we need a pay cut. You know, <laughs> it's a reality. And Bill Guerin managed to keep Ryan Hartman down, so maybe he can uh, get uh, some of these other guys to do the same. We'll, we'll see. It really depends. Again, uh, we could see Dumba's six million off the books. Imagine if Seattle takes him. That's six million off the books. Six million off the books. Victor Rask, four million off the books. Uh, that would be after this season. That's the other thing. Boy, it's a tough deal. Tough. Hartman one point seven. That's a very, very, very cheap deal. It really is. Because um, Bonino. Where is he? Oh, he's not even there now because it's the next year. Yeah, you're not going to be buying out Benino. So, obviously not. So it just kind of is what it is at the end of the day. So now we got the actual contracts themselves as I moon over around. Yeah, see, 4.1 million. He'd be off the books. Marcus Johansson, 4.5. That's 8.6 right there. That's almost 9 million in cap space to go to, like, uh, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. As for Felino or Felino, as for Fiala, I don't know. He's a restricted free agent with arbitration. Oh, man, 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 man. Man, man, man. Um, there's a big difference, obviously. Guys that come off the books, Kyle Rowe, 700,000, gone, gone, gone. But you got to have somebody in the AHL. That's the other thing. You're going to have to be in the AHL. Brad Hunt, 700 grand off the books. And very unlikely you'd bring him back because you just won't. I don't see the Wild bringing him back. That'd be kind of crazy. Jonas Burdine's salary goes up. So that's another thing you got to remember. 4.166 or whatever the heck his contract was before. Now the $6 million kicks in. So that's almost $2 million added. So that's another factor you got to put put in there. He's making 6 a year just like Matthew Dumba. Matt Dumba. $6 million a year for two more years for Matt Dumba. So we're not saving a whole lot unless uh, Dumba's traded away or whatever. Ian Cole, he wasn't making $4 million, he was making 3.4. So if we can get him to, oh, like half that or something, or $2 million, 
that'd be nice. He's 32 years old. He's kind of slow. So I got to hope he'd be willing to come back at like 1.5, 1.8, something like that for like a year or two. Please. Please. <laughs> Luckily, Kalen Addison's cheaper than heck right now. He's cheap until 2024. So that's the good news. Restricted free agent after that. Man, oh my. It's going to be tough, you know. It's going to be tough. you got to make a lot of space. Uh, Bustad comes off the books. Two million and change coming off the books there. Greenway, you don't have to worry about till next year. Maybe you trade him away. Uh, we'll see what happens. Because <sighs> uh, Caprice, it's going to be at least eight million, I think, a year uh, for like a long-term contract. And right there, that's pretty much uh, Marcus Johansson and Nick Bonino right there. So going to be tough. It's going to be tough to factor things in, and of course, you just pray to God you can get Zach Parisi off the books somehow. Maybe you save, like, uh, I think it was about $5 million of salary cap hit this year if you do the buyout with Zach Parisi, if that ends up happening. So, and then you still got to say Jewel. Oh, boy. Well, good thing Buke's dad. Yeah, he's just, he's, there's no way. No way he's coming back for that reason. And then you pray to God that, uh, Mr. Rossi's ready to go. That's not going to be much of a cap hit, of course. So, Kakinen's not much of a cap hit. You worry about him next year. After, yeah, next next summer. Mm. Yeah, Rossi, 925. So, yeah, not much to worry about there. So, I don't think we really can make an Eichel move. I mean, we can, but it won't be easy. Again, you have money coming off the books, but you got to resign those two big stars. There's definitely going to be money for Kaprizov. There'll be money for Fiala. It, it, it'll be there. Fiala, if you can get him at like, uh, you know, seven and a half, six, maybe six million a year. I mean, that's not too crazy. Of course, he'd be making as much as Zuccarello. Man, that's expensive. Zuccarello's making six million a year with three years remaining. He, he was really good this year. Let's give him credit, but six million's expensive. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean... There's gonna he's gonna have to figure this out, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill Guerin. I mean Matthew Boldy, you got to figure he'll take one of the spots, and you yeah eight hundred eighty thousand. That's not a big big hit at all. Obviously he's gonna take one of the left wing spots going forward. So that's the good news. Somebody like you know whoever it is, if you can get Parisi out of here, there's uh, Matthew Boldy top six. He can take a top six role. This and that you have plenty of left wingers obviously as well. Felino guys like that. Boy, oh boy, hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating off season. That's why it's uh, such a long. That's why I'm going on so long with that one. Very good question, M N Johansson. Uh, that's what they're gonna have to do. Uh, M N Johansson, M N Johan. Sorry, that's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to really work around that. They'll they'll have room, but it's not gonna be easy. Basically, Vegas Golden Refs. Yep, that's Jody Halvey says. I don't know about Eichel. He's going to cost way too much money. And how good is he really? Is he an attitude problem? I'd rather have two solid centers that would, uh, so, for what it would cost for him. Yeah, I would too. I'm not ready to make the move with uh, for Eichel. I've always, I mean, I've kind of thought he's a little overrated. He's he's really good, really really good. Maybe a little overrated. And I can't. The attitude might end up being a big problem as well. So I don't disagree with that. Uh, Jody continues. Another one says the hardest part for this, uh, the hardest part of this loss is, it's a holiday weekend and I don't get to listen to my favorite people rehash the series for me. It feels like I don't have any closure. I'm talking to you, Russo Hockey, Dan Burrow, Justin Gard, KFAN. 
Pat Micheletti and Brandon Molesky. Now what? Well, I'm here. That hurt my feelings. What about me? I'm here too. I'm here. I'm rehashing it. Okay, I'm just kidding. And then Johan says he is a- absolute elite and those attitude rumors would have to be addressed before a full commitment. On the other hand, is it possible to play in Buffalo without some of that? Yeah, it's not been good. Uh, Jody responds with elite? I don't know. So I'm kind of like on the fence of that one. I, I hope he is. I mean, obviously he has elite talent. He does. It's just that can he put it all together? Can he stay healthy? This and that. Last thing you want to do is commit to a guy and then he's hurt all the time. It's just hell on earth. But enough about Byron Buxton. Okay, Jay Bushy, Jay Bushy, sorry about that, Jay. Jay Bushy says, it hurts, it hurts, but what hurts more is the season is over and I will miss my wild Twitter friends. Yep, I'll miss you too. With that said, I'm hoping GM Bill Guerin will not pull a Fletcher and send a prospect who will come back to haunt us like talk. <laughs> How do you think the expansion draft plays out? I think Bill Guerin kind of... Uh, makes up his mind about things and, and holds. And I, I, I don't think he's going to panic like Chuck Fletcher did. That's the one thing I feel very confident about Bill Garrett. Fletcher, if he was as convinced as Brackett and Bill Garrett were about Rossi, I think Fletcher might have panicked. Like, oh my God, we got to trade up, we got to trade up, we got to trade up and give up like, you know, Kevin Fiala or something. To move up a few spots, you know, or Jewel Eric at the very least, and then uh, to, to get Marco Rossi, and then, oh, he would have fell to us anyway. See, that's what I like about Bill Garrett. He's the kind of guy who will hold. He will stand his ground, and he won't back down, as the song goes. That's where I feel more hopeful. He's not going to pull the trigger on something crazy. Um, he's not perfect. There is no perfect general manager. Every general manager is going to look back and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Ugh. But I don't think Bill Guerin's going to panic and make a mistake. He has that look of a poker player that's not going to just uh, go crazy and make a big mistake. He's, uh, he's, that's where I feel confident about this. I think Greenway, Susie, or Dumba are the guy gone. If you want to ask me about how do I think it plays out. One of those three will be gone to Seattle. Dumba, Susie, or Jordan Greenway, depending on what they need. I don't protect Jordan Greenway. I don't protect Jordan Greenway, depending on how this thing sets up. But uh, right now, I think Greenway is somebody you could uh, leave available. Unless, again, like a Parisi, and unless Parisi and Suter are willing to do their no-move clause. That'd be fantastic. Um, but it wouldn't kill me if Dumba was taken. It would suck to not get anything back, but you would get the $6 million cap space. That's yours now. That's a lot of cap space. And people will want to play with Kirill Kaprizov when they see what he can do. There's, there's just no doubt. Uh, Jay Bushy continues, says, yeah, I'm a little concerned about some of his character questions, but we need some more centers, and again, that would be Jack Eichel. Well, he's, yeah, obviously he would be a big thing. The only problem is it's putting a lot of eggs in one basket. That's the one thing with Eichel, because he's going to be extremely, extremely, extremely expensive. Jesse says, I'm interested in your take on the expansion draft and who the Wild may have to give up. Well, like I was saying just now, and I know you weren't expecting me to say it when you tweeted that, so I'm not like, oh, I just answered that. No, I'm not one of those kind of people. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think Greenway, Susie, or, or Dumba are most likely one of the three people gone. It's it, It's got to be, right? It's got to be one of them. It's, it can't be Felino, could it? That would suck. That would suck. Um, I'd rather have Felino than Greenway. Obviously, Greenway's got more skill 
But Felino is a glue guy that can hold this team together. He is one of the glues in that locker room. Where Greenway, I just don't see that. He did deliver some punishing hits, but I don't know. Something about Greenway doesn't have me dancing on the clouds. There's just something about him that spells mediocrity. Let's see, what... Uh, Okay, so Derek responded to Jesse. Derek said, I was going to say, who responded to, to Jesse? Uh, Derek says, I think number 18, number 24, number 21, number 33, or number 34 are the prime candidates. Yeah, me, me too. It's obviously one of the goalies, too. <sighs> Talbot, it could be Talbot. You know, maybe he'd be like a flurry for them, if you know what I mean. Like an older goalie, they pick him up, and he's freaking awesome for them. I think you got to unprotect Talbot at the end of the day, because they're less likely to take Talbot than Kakinen. Like, Kakinen would be very high on their list, I gotta think. I gotta think anyway. Um, Brian Herrera says, how do you always know when Brave the Wild is going to record and drop his podcast? And I responded with, uh, he has a very good source. Well, you can probably guess who that source is. Yep, Derek said it's magic. And, uh, huh? It's time to duel, says. <laughs> That's funny. Brian Herrera. Well, he has a very good source. You can leave it at that. You can probably guess who the source is. Read between the lines there. He is a very good source. As on how he knows. I know it's probably just a bit there. What's this all about? Andrew Dytle says, Back to the pit of misery. Bearing a Minnesota sports fan, I guess. Should be used to it by now. These are kind of like chain tweets, some of them. But still, it's cool to be a part of that. Brian Herrera says, going through your mentions while you record, I see. Believe it or not, that was before that time. Sometimes it's well, and sometimes it's not, but that was actually before. Brian Herrera has a skeleton holding a cell phone, says, my waiting for Brave the Wild to drop a new podcast. Yep, it's it's finally here. Yep, and Isha liked that one. Thank you, Isha. Let's get the hashtag out there, because I was in the mention section instead, so the hashtag sometimes brings up more. Usually it all kind of comes together. Like I love the hashtag, though. Believe me. Top six. Oh yeah. See, yep. This is this is this one's different. Yeah. Brian Horace says, "Do you re yeah?" He says, "Do you remember Iron Metalhead?" Well, that's me. Oh, I didn't even read this part. I apologize. Well, with the season over, and we really did better than expected. What two pieces does the Wild need to take the next big step besides the top six center, Boldy and Rossi? I want Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I really want Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And then there's uh, Deneau as well, out there from Montreal. That he could be at least a free agent signing that won't demand a whole lot. Where he'd at least be like what uh, the equivalent of what Talbot was as a signing for goalie. Where it's like, oh, he turned out pretty good and he wasn't that expensive. It'd be something like that. Say if we have to kind of aim for at least somebody who's, you know, at least a middle six level. Like, like uh, Deneau from Montreal. Um, and Montreal's going to Game 7 versus Toronto. So... I would hope Boldy and Rossi would both play for the Minnesota Wild next season. Uh, hopefully for an extended period. That'd be great. I'm in the hashtag here now. Again, hoping for... See if there's anything flying around. Passively aggressive. That's Jody Hallway said. Biggest is... Oh, okay. So she just changed the name. Yep. Yep. And I already read that one. This might be it. This might be it for now. I believe it is. Thank you guys so very much. Thank you, Derek, as well, for encouraging people to join in and have the conversation. Yeah, Brian Rara says, Yes, Brave of the Wild finally dropped the podcast. We'll listen to it now, and I appreciate that so much. 
I do. I really do. Hope to hear from you guys more. Some of you I missed. You I haven't heard from you in a while. Justin Bakke, Rich Blummer. Yeah, he used to uh, put questions in back uh, a while ago. I miss you, Rich Blummer. Hopefully you're still out there. Still follows. That's good. Yep, Tom Hayen. Hope to hear from you again. Yep, he shared the most recent show. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Hope to hear from you with your lightning round again soon, especially as we go into the offseason with all the questions and comments going into that. Sorry if I dragged this out a bit, but there was, was a lot to say. There was a lot to say, especially heading into the offseason, because uh, there's a lot of questions and a lot of uh, interesting conversation moving forward. Sorry if I kind of went on a bit long, but hey, you know, it's just more more Brave the Wild to listen to, I guess. You don't have to listen to it all in one shot, of course. Of course, by the time you're hearing this, you already have uh, finished the show. Please do tell your friends about it. Please write a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, or Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or Stitcher. It would be greatly appreciated. Going to give shout-outs to, again, like I said, Derek Fells, Caprice and Assist, M&W Prospects. Of course, I'm a part of that, even though I didn't get to cover anything this year because the two leagues that I cover were not playing this year. Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and British Columbia Hockey League. I wish I got to do those, but it just didn't happen. But they will next fall, at least I would hope. Um... Pavel Bennett, Justin Bakke, Brandon Quast, awesome, awesome guys. Really proud to be a part of that page. Very proud. Chad Walski contributes at a times. Chad Walski is also a major member of Minnesota Wild Global. Scott Cavendish, David Kostick, Chance Kostick, David Abraham, Kathy Main, again, uh, Michael Fick, Chad Walski, all you guys. Really cool to be part of that page as well. Uh, Minnesota Wild Nation, Patrick Turner, Runs that one. Awesome guy. Thank you. Thank you all of you for the great interaction, the great season again, and it was fun keeping up with this team, and of course there's a lot to look forward to. Like I rambled on and rambled on and rambled on about enough, so at the end of the day, uh, look forward to State of the Wild 2021 next, and again, I will encourage you to tweet out your most viable player, your biggest disappointment and biggest surprise of the season for the Minnesota Wild. Until next time, Depending on where you are or what day it or what day of the week it is, stay warm, stay cool. <laughs> Depending on what it is, have a wonderful rest of the spring and into the summer, and we'll be ready for State of the Wild coming up next in late June or early July. Until then, take care and God bless.